You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter by the qualities that are most important to you. Then book free 15-minute consultations with any therapist you're interested in seeing. And because 95% of therapists at Alma accept insurance, you can find care that's affordable to you want to talk to someone but not just anyone alma is there to help you find the right fit visit helloalma.com therapy 30 to schedule a free consultation today that's helloalma.com therapy 30 yeah there should be some passion this doesn't have to be boring 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 Okay, one thing the game needs is more people like you. You, you. Still have grown men run around tight pants. It's Mookie Betts. This is Daniel Bard. It's Steve Aoki. There's Saul Tlamachia. This is Brock Holt. Hey, this is John Lester. Baseball is baseball. Baseball isn't boring. Welcome to Baseball Isn't Boring. Here's your host, Rob Radford. Throws this ball. Left center field. Way back. It is gone. Chris Taylor. Let's go. Chris Taylor, home run. Joe Davis, home run call of the day. Dodgers, 6-4 win over the Orioles. The glorious game of baseball, yes, on display. Once again, coming out of the weekend, heading into another great week. FanDuel, thank you so much. Thank you so much for jumping aboard and powering us through this season. Such, such a great partnership and such a great organization. Speaking of which, we want to do a little bit of the betting isn't boring. Betting isn't boring. I just looked this up. It's incredible. To American League MVP odds right now, Shohei Atani is minus 700. Number two, Corey Seager plus 2,000. For those, though, who don't understand that, it's basically saying Shohei Itani is 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 a lock. I mean, the American League MVP. I know that's a nude flash. Everyone's like, oh my goodness, I can't believe you said that. Yes, yes. But those numbers are striking. Not only because it's minus 700, but plus 2,000 for the second place guy, Corey Seager. It's, it's Shohei Itani and everybody else. It should be easy, 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 easy for MVP voters. They won't have to just rely on war like a lot of the times they do. All right, well, speaking of Otani, that is the subject today because, you know, because we talk about what's pertinent and we have the people who know what's what when it comes to the pertinent conversations. Today we have on Jeff Fletcher of the SoCal News Group, Orange County Register, covers the Angels. Most importantly, not most importantly, but at, at least as important, author of Showtime, 
book, Shohei Atani, the definitive book about the definitive player, as we said in the podcast. Not every day you can say that. So, And it's also the timing couldn't be any better. Not only because Shohei Atani is the talk of the town when it comes to the trade deadline, when it comes to baseball, but because he did it again. He did it again. Game tying home run, seventh inning, and what ended up being a walk-off for the Angels over the Yankees. So this, according to MLB.com, was Otani's Major League best 14th home run in the seventh inning or later. He has hit as many homers in the seventh inning or later over his past 28 games, that would be 12, as any other MLB player has hit total during that time. That goes back to June 12th. That's the most home runs in the seventh inning or later over a span of 28 games in MLB history, and that's per Optistats. Also, it was the third straight game for with a homer for Otani, who has surpassed his total 34 homers of last season. It was also his 35th blast through the Angels' first 95 games this season, which is right in line with Yankee slugger Aaron Judge, what he did last year. Judge went deep 36 times through New York's first 95 games en route to setting the AL record of 62 homers, finishing just ahead of Otani in the batting. That's Rhett Bollinger, MLB.com, uh, talking about after the game where Otani did it again. So those are striking numbers. I mean, you want striking numbers, just keep piling them up. So, like we said, we wanted to give you the best of the best when it came to talking about Otani. So we talked to Jeff Fletcher. Great book. Great book on Otani. Awesome, awesome read. Gives perspective. And also just a great guy to talk to about the dynamic of not only the progression of this guy, Otani, where what happened at the beginning, what happened in the middle, and what's happening now. And the perception and the perspective of Otani going into the trade deadline. How Jeff feels this is all going to shake out when it comes to the trade deadline. This is important stuff because everyone's trying to guess. The Angels right now, the Angels are five games back in the wild card. One game under 500. They, uh, like we said, we, they won. So are they actually in it? Are they going to be able to to make a run at this thing? Certainly, uh, last night's game was a huge, huge step in the right direction. I should say five and a half games back. So five and a half games back, still not playing super well. Are they a pretender? Are they a contender? What should they do with Atani? All of it. We try to get the answers, and there's no better person to get the answers from than Jeff Fletcher. Subscribe, rate, review, at BB isn't boring. Producer Evan doing an awesome, awesome job in so many different ways. We all we started the week just on fire with a great collection of players who had been involved in trade deadline deals. Great, great podcast. Trey Mancini, Chris Martin, Michael Fulmer, Anthony Kay, Jake Faria, all gave their unique stories. Trade deadline confessions. I love it. And then we had also, relatively speaking, Jonathan Papelbon with his son Gunner and his son's friend, his buddy Angus. The, the baseball fans and baseball players of tomorrow telling us why we are old men yelling at clouds a lot when it comes to the great game of baseball. We want to hear from the, the 
the future of baseball, and these guys helped us do that. So go check out those podcasts from the first day of the week. This is the second day of the week. We're not stopping. We're not. The momentum isn't slowing down. Here's Jeff Fletcher, author, beat writer, Shohei Itani expert. All right, here we go. Baseball isn't boring because of excellent writers like Jeff Fletcher. Beat writer of the SoCal News Group. Is that is that correct? I mean, I know you aren't, you know, SoCal News Group. Is that? Uh, the, yeah, sure. That That is accurate. I like that. Orange County well, Register also. I know. That's part of the SoCal News Group. So I, I, I like, I, I wanted to say Orange County Register, but the SoCal News Group kind of rolls off the tongue. You know what else? Okay. Roll, you know what else rolls off the tongue? I tell you what. The author. Of Showtime, the inside story of Shohei Itani and the greatest baseball season ever played. There it is. There it is. Showtime. <laughs> it's Jeff. It's not every day that you get a chance to talk to the person who wrote the definitive book on the definitive player. And it's not every day you get to like utter those words. The definitive book on the definitive player. They must feel good. Uh, it's pretty nice to, uh, you know, when this. The book project came up. One of the, my big motivations was, well, you know, somebody's got to write a book on this guy, and it might as well be me. And there's certainly nothing wrong with uh, setting yourself as the Otani guy because he's obviously a guy that there's a lot of interest in, and a lot of people wanting to talk about, even more so now than when the book came out. Yes, I, I, it's um, there's two facts in life, which is you always want to be. You want to be designated as the Otani guy. There's nothing wrong with that. And also, you always want to be designated as the Joe Kelly guy. <laughs> so, there you go. so we're living yeah. basically the same life. We're basically living the same life. But in all seriousness, the Otani um, Express, the Otani way, and I talked to you when you're doing the book, uh, when the book came out, the reaction to the book, which has been awesome. Everyone go to Amazon and read it and order it. Um, it it's it's not only, you know, hitting the sweet spot in terms of the player, but you did such a great job with it. Um, and, and it must be, it, it must be interesting though, you know, we, because every single day, Jeff, every single day, like major league baseball is talking about this guy. And I guess the first thing I'll ask you is like, when you were doing the project, he was big then. And I think actually maybe like the first time I talked to you, he was banged up a little bit and you're like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, it's, you don't want a guy to be injured when you're doing a book, believe yeah, me. Yeah. Uh, but looking back then and looking b- and now looking at him, has it taken a whole nother uh, would you ever imagine that we would be talking about this guy as much as we are? I mean, no, because when he first got here to the big leagues, first of all, spring training was first year, he was terrible. So I think there was a, certainly a lot of thought then that maybe it just wasn't gonna happen at all. And then he was great for, you know, half a season and then he got hurt. And then after that, you know, there was a two and a half seasons where it just wasn't happening again. And I think a lot of people just thought, you know, that's it. You know, we got our half season of seeing the Babe Ruth in Japan and and that's it. And then in 21, he was just so incredibly good for the whole season that it was amazing. Spawned this book. And then the fact that he's done it again and again continues to be amazing to me. And I, I don't think people should take it for granted. And uh, I think sort of last year during the MVP discussion, I think that's a lot of what happened. People just said, well, this is just what Otani is going to do every year, and we don't want to give him the MVP every year. And and I, and I was thinking, well, let's just not assume he's going to do that every year. Let's make sure we appreciate it when he does. 
because he's not going to do this every year. This is really incredible to do. So I try to not take it for granted whenever I see what he's doing. So you talk about that, seeing what he's doing. You know, you get a chance not only to take a deep dive into the guy via the book, but you get a chance to see him play every day. And, you know, we see the the Twitter videos and, and you know, the highlights on MLB Network or whatever it is. But for the for the for someone who sees him every single day, what's the thing that jumps out at you? I mean, I just think he hits home runs and he pitches well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the other thing too is a lot of people say like, "What's so amazing about him as a hitter, or amazing about him as a pitcher?" And uh, there's nothing about either of those things individually. What's amazing is that he's doing them both. So you know, like there are other pitchers as good as him, there are other hitters as good as him. But there's obviously nobody who does both, and that is what is amazing. And so you have to, like I remind myself, like the Angels starting pitcher just hit his 30th homer. You know, when you <laughs> when you write that sentence, it's it's a little crazy. What's the thing early on that, you th- that you're thinking, okay, I know that he pitches and I know that he hits, but maybe this isn't going to really work out. What's, what for you, like you said, you get off to a little bit of a slow start. What's for you was a thing that because this is what we do we murmur in the press box and make reactionary opinions right for you what was that uh, to when I doubted it or when I well it? Uh, no just when you the thing that you doubted like you you might have thought he ah this guy's going to be a good really good hitter but this guy's going to be a really good pitcher um, but and then and then he obviously became both and when I guess to answer your question when you started. Stop doubting it. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's in before he even got here, the word from Japan or the, from people who'd seen him in Japan was, oh, he's a better pitcher than a hitter. And then in spring training, he looked pretty bad at both. But but you could see the, you know, the, the velocity and everything and the stuff as a pitcher. So you sort of figured, okay, well, he'll probably figure it out as a pitcher, but this just may not happen as a hitter. You know, you remember Jeff Passan wrote that story where he talked to a bunch of scouts and he looks like a high school hitter. You know, so I think that was where there was more skepticism about him. Um, he would hit some really long homers, but then he would his helmet would fall off while he was swinging at a curveball. You know, <laughs> so uh, th- there was a lot of skepticism about that. But then that first week of the 2018 season, uh, in his second start, he took a perfect game into the seventh inning. Second start, and in between his first and second starts, he hit three homers, including. One against Corey Kluber, who was the reigning Cy Young winner at the time, so that pretty much dispelled all the uh, the skepticism. And uh, he he was did it. He was he was a good pitcher and a good hitter for for ten weeks up until he hurt his elbow. Well, I mean it's it's amazing to think back. <laughs> you said that spring training and that early, considering because I think that this is another great reason to read the book and also to listen to you and read your coverage, but because it's. It's that you have it, probably the most unique perspective of anyone. And and because of that, I'm going to ask you this question. It's obviously there's a lot of here in the now with Otani. We're going to get to the, the meat and potatoes of what might happen. But we're trying to we're trying to piece together the puzzle of where he might end up if it's not the Angels. And to piece together the puzzle, we have to go back to, or maybe we don't have to, but we choose to anyway, go back to when he was being wooed initially. I know, for instance, I've surfaced this picture a million times, the Otani Bruins jersey, 
You know, the, the, the Red Sox make up the Celtics, the Bruins, the Patriots jerseys with Otani on the back of them because they're going to be ready for the big meeting with Otani, which didn't come. Um, so take me back to when he was showing interest in teams, uh, what teams they were, and also can we take anything away from that? Well, I mean, it's all we have, first of all. Otani says nothing, basically, about what kind of team he would prefer where he wants to go. So the only data that we've got is what he did the first time six years ago. And uh, the the seven teams that he picked at that time to have meetings with were the uh, all on the West Coast, the Mariners, Giants, Dodgers, Padres, Angels, and the Rangers and the Cubs. Those were the seven teams. And uh, so when he immediately eliminated, you know, the Red Sox, Yankees, uh, Mets, teams like that, then I think everybody just said, okay, well, he just wants to be on the West Coast. He just wants to be out of the big fishbowl, quote-unquote, media fishbowl kind of thing. Um, that's what we inferred from all that. Um, maybe that wasn't true at all. Maybe he just didn't like some something else about those teams. Right. I don't know. But but we have this data that we've collected from that, and so people are just kind of sticking to that. And so I think people assume – that's still the case. Uh, whether it is or not, we don't really know, but it's all we've got. So when you look at this, let's talk about the Angels. So what do you think, going back, we're only taking, like you said, what we have. Why he picked the Angels, number one, besides money, you know, besides the offer, whatever it is. I mean, every team is going to give money. But why do you pick the Angels? And do you think, and this is a guess, because like you said, he's not coming out and saying definitive things. Do you think that his view of the Angels has changed um, because they haven't won? I mean, this is that's the obvious thing. Like, and how much does that factor in? Do you think that hey, listen, you, you got to win. You got to win some. You got to show us you're going to win. And so, how much of the perception since he signed with the Angels has that changed? Because that's really going to paint the picture of whether or not you know they're going to even be in the mix here. Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. And obviously, you know, what a lot of people take is, you know, first of all, you like I said, you can't ask him a question that compares other teams. You can only ask him about the Angels. And when the Angels are not doing well, he says, oh, I'm really disappointed that the Angels aren't doing well. It sucks to lose. I'm frustrated, which is exactly what every single player says when his team is not doing well. <laughs> and we don't really know how much, well, does that mean that's 90% of what he's going to, take into his decision or is it 20% or is it 50%? So I think a lot of people have over, uh, have just based on the fact that that's all we have thinking that that's it. It's a hundred percent of the thing is going to be like, he's not going to go to the angels because he wants to win and they haven't won. End of story. I think that's not true because I think there are a lot of other things that the angels do have going for them. Uh, he knows how it works here. He knows you know, he, he's not the easiest guy to fit into a roster. He pitches every sixth day, not every fifth day, and he basically takes up your DH spot. So you can't put somebody else in there basically ever. So, uh, you know, there need to be adjustments with another team. And, uh, you know, he's – the way he deals with the media, he basically only talks to the media after he pitches. He doesn't do public appearances or any of that kind of stuff. You know, he knows how all that works here. The Angels know how he works. He knows how the Angels work. So there's kind of a comfort level. He goes somewhere else. He doesn't know how any of that's going to be. It might be fine. It might not. Who knows? 
So, but but the fact that he knows how it works with the Angels, I think, is in their favor. And obviously, they are on the West Coast, which is in their favor, and they have lots of money. So, uh, I mean, I don't know that they absolutely could be the highest bidder because Steve Cohen is probably going to be the highest bidder no matter what. But I know that they could be in the neighborhood to be close enough to where if he wants to play for the Angels, they will pay him enough that he can justify taking their money. All that being said, I still don't know if he's going to re-sign with them or if he wants to re-sign with them. I just think that people should not conclude that there is zero chance because I think there's definitely a chance. So so you're saying there's a chance. So the, to, yeah, me, yeah. To, me, to me, that, and this is an outsider view of it, but it makes sense to me. And I'm going to use the example of Soto, and it's not the perfect example because Soto had uh, more than half a year available. But what the Nationals did, basically, was say, all right, here's pretty close to our best offer. Whatever that was, I think it's 440, right? And so this is pretty close to our best offer. When Soto says, no thanks, it gives you the idea of where, how difficult it is going to be to sign him. They make the trade. They get a huge haul for him. Um, So, again, not the perfect example because Otani has only half a year left. But do you get the sense that the Angels heading into the trade deadline would do this, where they would just say, hey, we just got to know. We got to have a good idea here. I mean, I I assume that they do know. Uh, I assume that they've had enough conversations with Otani. They know enough about Otani that they have an idea about how signable he is for them. Uh, If, you know, at this point, they're not, you know, they're, they're so far out of the playoff race that it would require kind of a miracle. So at this point, if they do keep him, I'm going to assume they're keeping him because they think they can resign him, not because they just want to win every game they can over the next two months and then lose him. Uh, so I have to believe that they have had these conversations with him. And, and if not, you know, made the offer and like, gotten to the point where that's you know there's an offer on the table and he's either going to sign it or reject it they at least have enough of an understanding to know like we have a chance so i mean just hypothetically maybe they said like to him like look are you eliminating us or if we are going to be in the neighborhood with 500 million you know will you give us a shot and he said like oh yeah sure definitely i like it here and i don't want you guys to give up on me but i don't want to sign a contract today you know, something like that. I'm just making that up. But anyway, I think that that type of thing might have happened. So, you know, if they do keep him, I assume it's with the understanding that they have a chance to resign him. Yeah, I, I got to imagine it's not just, hey, we want to sell a bunch of tickets for the last couple of months, you know, and along yeah. those lines. Because they got to pay him $10 million. So if right. the only benefit they're getting over the last two months is the income they make over two months, that's also canceled out by the fact they have to pay him $10 million. So there's got to be more than that. There's got to be some long-term benefit to to keeping them. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story. And one of the best 
stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. Along those lines, the um, I've said this a bunch of times. Every time they talk about where Otani's contract is going to land up, um, I said, well, you know, you're going to include hitting, you're going to include pitching, but you also have to include the business side of it. You have a much better perspective than I do in this. How impactful is this guy to a team business-wise? Because from the outside, I look at the game, I look at, Again, very surface level. I say, wow, Otani versus Trout, not even close in terms of business business uh, influence. And I'm not even talking about just the Japanese market. I'm just talking about people going to games, you know, or yeah. or all of that. So how impactful is this guy to any team that gets him business-wise? Well, he's very impactful. Uh, you can see the signs on the outfield fence, and you can see the attendance and the people walking around with Otani jerseys. What dollar figure that comes out to? I can't tell you. I, I read an estimate a couple of years ago that it was $10 million a year. Mm. I don't know if that was outdated, if it's more now or whatever, but it's definitely a lot of money that, that you make from having Otani. So I think any team is going to bake that into uh, the calculation when they figure out what they're going to pay him. Well, okay. So what along those lines, what kind of dagger is this if they bite the bullet they they've made the offer. He he's it's it he doesn't look like he wants to sign. They they trade him. Um, they get probably you know the 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 equivalent. I would I, and I'm totally guessing here, but you're you're not just trading a rental. You're trading for Otani. So you're getting the equivalent of almost a guy with another year of control. Maybe I don't know. Um, but anyway, the Angels want to use this to rebuild. What impact? does that have on the perception of the angels? Um, and, and is that something that they just say, listen, we, we cannot bite the bullet here. We cannot do what the Orioles did and have a 10 year rebuild. We can't do this. We have a different mindset. So what type of impact does that have? Even though you're getting back a crap load of good players. I mean, the angels are not rebuilding uh, no matter what they, they do have enough good players that they're going to hope to be good next year with or without Otani. I mean, uh, 13 games ago, the Angels were in a playoff spot ahead of the Astros, you know? Yeah. So they that's the, the 2023 Angels I'm talking about. Uh, and then Mike Trout got hurt, and they uh, well, have gone 2-11 and 11 since then. The Red Sox played well. The Mariners played well. The Blue Jays played well. So everybody passed them. And all of a sudden, they're, they look like they're terrible. But really, that's just happened in a very short time. So the Angels franchise as a whole – is not really where like the Nationals were when they traded Juan Soto. Mm-hmm. So they're not just like giving up. So if they do trade Otani, they're still going to hope that they can get back 
uh, some quality players that can help them next year. And also they they would have all that extra money basically to spend on next year's team that they're not paying him. So uh, to answer your question, I think they're, they're still going to try to be good every year with or without Otani. That they can, they can, they can, I don't want to say spin, spin isn't the right word, but they can say, Hey, listen, you know what? We get back. I'm going to use this example because we just did a fake trade because we like fake trades. Um, we, uh, Logan Gilbert, the, the uh, package with Seattle, right? You're getting back a top of the rotation guy amongst other guys. Hey, everybody, we still have Trout to your point. We have a good team. It'll be okay. We are going to be in this. So they're they're able to weather that storm, even though everybody's disappointed that Otani's not there. I mean, I think if you look at Angels fans, believe it or not, I think most Angels fans actually want them to trade Otani. Really? That's my at least from my Twitter uh, perception, and that's because they're so frustrated with how the season has gone right now, and they feel like, I mean, they you know how fans are. Uh, I'm sure Red Sox fans are even worse, but uh, you know they 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 look at it it's just like the world is ending. And they just want to start over. And they feel like, why would Otani want to come back here? Because we stink. You know, that's basically the way they look at it, just over this last 13-game stinkiness. And uh, so they go, I don't want to just lose him for a draft pick. Let's get back whatever we can get. Now, I think a part of that is a lot of fans have unrealistic expectation of what they're going to get back. They think, oh, you're going to get back, like, the team's top five prospects, including, like, a major league number three starter who's, you know, already pitched 150 innings in the big leagues or something like that. So uh, I think that's a part of it. But, you know, from a PR standpoint, I don't think that it would be a huge hit to uh, trade Otani, uh, depending what they get back. That's See, that's it's great perspective. I mean, it is, because I think the perception is, oh, my goodness, everyone's going to fold up tents and it's going to be like nobody – but. I'm glad. Well, no, let said, me let me add this yeah, though. Let yeah, me add this though. Sure. I think that what I'm telling you is based on like the feedback that I get, and that those are from more hardcore fans. I think there are a huge number of uh, I'm not going to call them fans, but I'm going to call them customers that buy Angels tickets, buy Angels stuff, go to the ballpark, don't really like know who's pitching the next day. Those people are going to be really <laughs> mad if Otani's not there. You know what I mean? So, I mean, I think that's part of the calculation is your your real serious baseball fans versus your customers. The serious baseball fans probably would understand. The customers probably would not. So, by the way, you know. I love that term, like man, because every team has those. Like every oh, yeah. team. And 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 yeah. by the way, by the way, the fan bases. I know for the Red Sox, this is going back eighteen years. They got the customers. They used to call them the pink hats because. It was the 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 mothers would buy the the hats for the kids for the daughters and like and and so and the whole idea was invest. This is where it's fun, right? And yeah. I like your term better, the customers. And you get people to invest in the whole deal, and then they're like, "Wait, wait, what? What is? Wait a second! I thought baseball was great. I mean, I thought like this is how you did it. You 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 go to the Otani game, but I, I love that. So let me ask you this." The trout dynamic. Um, again, it doesn't seem like a guy who's going to bare his soul unless it's for fantasy baseball purposes. Um, but, but maybe, I mean, I don't know, but bare his soul say, hey, like, we got to resign Otani. We got to resign Otani. Well, what's funny, Jeff, is that, you know, we just came from the All Star break and, you know, Kenley Jansen's out there 
basically, you know, recruiting, not not admitting he's recruiting, but kind of admitting he's recruiting, said, hey, yeah, you know, like I told him, Boston's a great place. Boston's a great place. What's what's Shrout's view of this? I mean, whether it's publicly, privately, any any dribs or drabs that you, of of vibe you have when it comes to him and that dynamic. Well, Trout obviously loves Otani, and he wants the Angels to keep Otani forever. And he he says, you know, I'm trying to keep him, but I think he also says that he understands that the Angels have to win to get Otani to want to stay. So uh, I think he <clears throat> is very realistic about that, uh, but he's made no. Uh, he's not hidden the fact that he wants Otani to stay and he's like trying to do whatever he can to convince him to stay. All right. Well, I mean, I would imagine yes, it, it all comes back to winning, man. Like it's, it's, yeah. and you know what? It's here's, here's, here's how the angels have a better chance of winning, keeping Otani and adding a few more good players. That's it. Preferably pitching. Right. Um, I mean, I, I always say that the, the angels, the only way for the angels to win with Otani is to have a, a really good farm system because you're going to have to have a lot of cheap players to fit around having, you know, Otani, Rendon, and Trout making $120 million. Also, the only way for the Angels to win without Otani is to have a really good farm system. So either way, if they're going to be good, it's it's going to be more because, you know, Zach Neto, Logan Ohapi, Reed Detmers, Patrick Sandoval, Ben Joyce, Jose Soriano, are all these guys going to, like, get better and take a next step? Or are they just going to keep doing what they are? And that's going to be what makes them good or bad, not what Otani and Trout do, because they've obviously been doing it and the team has not been good. Right. I mean, you know, as I said, you don't run isolations for outfielders, even uh, outfielders who pitch. And 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 also, you know, I, I'm glad you said that, and it's right on. You hear that from any time they sign this big deal, any of these big deals. You talk to any GM. Like I remember talking to A.J. Prowler when they signed Machado, um, when they signed um, – uh, Trout, same thing. Billy Epler, same thing. He said, you know, when you do these deals, these big deals, you better have the farm system to support it. You better. And sometimes yeah. it works out and sometimes it doesn't. Um, last thing, book question, you know, cliche book question. What was, yeah, there it is. Oh my goodness. Talk about a built-in <laughs> screenshot. Come on. Uh, what it was the, uh, what was the, what was the most fun part about doing the book? Because as we know, books can be agonizing and and they're agonizing before they're agonizing during and they're agonizing after. Well, what was the most fun for you? Talking to guys like you. No, uh, (laughs) it has been really fun to just talk about, talk about Otani to everybody and talk about the book. But uh, personally, I I really, that moment where you get the box of the books and, open it up and everybody you have to tweet that picture that's like a mandatory thing in book publishing look here's a picture of my book in a box i'm sure you did it too when you got the box well yeah well yeah well i I tell you what this is it's so true so joe joe kelly his wife took a video of it and and this is a baseball player right so he i mean it's, it's even i think it's even different for him because like we sort of write i guess yeah, but but he opens it and oh my god, his his face was like it was bursting, and his wife videoed this. It would put it on Instagram, and because of that, it went to like that day. It went to like number one in baseball books a month before it came out. But it was like that is so true. It is so yeah. true, and I'm glad you said that. So yeah, if I could get Otani to make an Instagram with this book, oh, that would oh. be. Uh, the holy <laughs> 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 all right joe hey man 
great stuff. Congratulations with the book and all of the success. And, um, and I really, really, it's always great talking with you. And I really, uh, I, I, I probably will talk to you again, <laughs> maybe, maybe in like a second. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Thanks for having me, Rob. And I enjoyed your book too. It's great. <laughs> in celebration of opening day, we've got a special episode of the Moth Podcast for you. The theme is baseball and the surprising ways it connects people. I gaze out at the players on the field, and then I, uh, I look over at my dad, and I, I realize that in the silence between us, that something has changed. It's like I'm seeing him for the first time. Two stories about baseball, family, and so much more. The episode's available right now. Subscribe to The Moth Podcast to make sure you hear it.